Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to part three of the Stompcast. Uh, Sunny and I are wandering through Victoria Park. It's actually a very glorious and beautiful day. We've, we've walked along the canal, we've walked by the lake. Now we've gone to a slightly different section of it. I don't know which corner of the park this is. It's so big, actually, it's one of the biggest things yeah. I've it's so, really so big this park. is actually the section I do walk around with my nephew. So yeah. there's, a, there's a place over there called The Hub. There's a nice little statue over there that we can walk past if you want to. It's very, very open yes. and luscious and trees and green. And it's a beautiful place. And, and hopefully it's a safe space for us to have this next conversation um i mentioned it in the end of part two and i guess i it came about in conversation in part one because i crossed paths professionally with the person that we're going to talk about now so very sadly um producer joe uh, line so joe worked at uh, capital on the breakfast show with yourself and and the team um and he passed away uh, due to suicide um i I remember him producing me to come on to do the kind of surgery and the conversation during the pandemic. That's right. We spoke only over, only ever over the telephone in that period of time. But he struck me as a really nice and really positive and a kind man, actually. And first of all, I'll start with saying I'm very sorry for your loss. Thank and you. Um, you know, it's you know the experience of loss is different for everyone, and every loss is tragic. And you know, I, I you know I've you know, from behalf of all of us, we you know, were really sorry to hear. And I remember, I remember hearing it on the radio um, and it being announced. And it was, and I saw like the clips on social after. And I think it was pretty clear it was a, it was a shock to you all. Yeah. Um, you know, thank you for having this this conversation. Do you think you could take us back to to that time if you're of able course. to? And, and yeah, yeah, what. God, what was that even? What was that even like? Uh, how did you deal with it? Did you deal with it? And yeah, what's your reflection? Well, uh, firstly, I'll say that obviously from the beginning, Joe was like the backbone to the breakfast show. He was the one, like you said, he everyone would talk to, everyone would have to talk to him before he goes on air. He would big everyone up. Mm. He was that guy. He was the guy that was with Roman before Roman started the breakfast show. He was the guy that said to me, you know, before I started the breakfast show, you and Roman would get on really well. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I like Roman. Yeah. I don't know, he gives off this, you know, I'm not sure he's going to like me, I'm going to like him. And he was like, no, you'll get on really well, trust me. So he was the sort of middleman between Roman and I working together and sort of allowing me to go on to the breakfast show and all that sort of stuff. So obviously worked together for years, um, had the best times. You know, we flew to Dubai to go do like um, what they call an OB, which is like an outside broadcast to get listeners to fly over to Dubai with us, all that sort of thing. We had just That's had so great awesome. memories, really like real good memories. Um, the day we found out he wasn't with us was the day that we all came into work and he would always be the first person there. Mm. 
he was always the first person at work. He was what we call segging the show, so putting all the sweepers between music and then, then the next song. And there was this one morning where he just wasn't there and we were like, oh, what's he like, you know, at breakfast? It's so easy to like sleep in. Yeah. We were like, oh, he slept in, what an idiot, all that sort of stuff. Um, then we were basically like still taking the mick for a couple of hours going, you know, he's really slept in here. I, to a point where I text his sister and I was like, are you with Joe? Because obviously they, they live together. And she was like, no, I'm with our parents. Why, what's up? And I was like, well, look, he's not come to work. He's, he's slept in. We just need to wake him up basically to get into work because obviously we need him. Do you know what I mean? He's the backbone to the show. Um, and she, she was like, right, well, I'll try and get hold of security. I'll try and do this, try and do that. Um, we were st still on air at this point and our exec producer ended up taking, making sure that someone went round to go and yeah. see if he, you know, he was there. The producer did go round and obviously find him um, during the show. This was all happening during the show, you know, we're still live on air, giving it, you know, like, you know, like we were saying, it's a high energy, all this. And it got to about eight o'clock, I'd say about quarter to eight, where we were a bit like, okay, he would normally have got up by now, he would normally get in, like something's odd. Our exec producer was outside just on the phone the whole time, so we were thinking something's going on, but we don't really fully know. And I think it was probably about 9 a.m. ish, maybe just before, that she came in just obviously sobbing and just was like, I don't know what to tell you guys. And we were like, what? What's happened? And until someone said what happened, you don't believe it. And even in, when they do say it, you still don't believe it. But she was like, he's, he's, he's gone. And obviously we were on air and we were, we were just like, how, you know, how, how have we got here out of everything that we've gone through yeah. on this show? You know, talking about all oh, coronavirus and this, that, whatever. Wow. To get to the point where we've lost one of our own, you know, and it, it was to suicide and it was mad because you know, you hear stats about people that you never sort of realised would do that. Mm. You know, he was so happy, he was... The last thing I said to him was, fuck off, <laughs> the day before. Because we always have this joke and it was like, he left work before I did. And you know, presenters notoriously yeah, leave yeah, before yeah. the producers. Yeah, yeah. And he was just like walking out the office with his bag of shorts on, it was a really hot day. I went, all right, is that it then? He went, yeah, I'm off to the gym. I was like, all right, fuck off. Yeah. And then that was it. And yeah. that was, a, I'm almost glad it was the last thing I said to him was to fuck off, but I didn't actually want him to, yeah. but he, yeah. he yeah, did. Yeah. And banter between you. Exactly. Yeah. What did you do? So you found out, uh, you know, while the music was on, I guess. What did you do well, next? Did it, you, did you, I did, was it, because I obviously have seen, what, did you announce it on that show? We did didn't at all, no. We it wasn't the right time. No, was it? it wasn't. We didn't know what was fully going no, on. And I think that was even the, a couple I think that was the after. right thing to do. Yeah. I, 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 Not what do I know? No. But I, but, I imagine from, I think in the moment of shock, it, yeah, you have to take a pause yeah. before you we, deal. We came with straight like off air early. You know, we finished the show early and um, we just had to work out what, what was actually going on. And I remember we all just basically got given this room at the top floor at Global and we all just went in there and just burst into tears and just, it was just the oddest day. It was, it was, I can't. And you knew it was suicide that time. I mean, like, I guess officially, Yeah, yeah, knew we knew it was suicide just purely because, you know. Circumstance. Circumstance, yeah. And it's just, I think that's the saddest part of it is that suicide affects you in a way because 
it feels like it affects you more in a way because you don't really know why. Yeah. And I will always question why. And I think that's yeah. the hardest part. Well, it's the only know. death or departure of someone from this earth that is by choice. Yeah. Do you know? It is the only time, really, where someone has made a decision that they don't want to be anymore. Other illnesses, and it's not, I'm not trauma comparing or kinds of loss at all, but it is by fact, by, you know, you're making a decision to leave. You don't want yeah. to be opting out of this planet. And, it's and so that sad. is very hard because there leaves, you know, there leaves so many questions, doesn't there? What ifs, why, and yeah. could haves and should haves and, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff. I mean, God, that, those few days must have been, did you sleep? I did. I mean, when Cleo passed away, I didn't I, sleep for four days. I just days, remember so. just... Three days. Wow. Really? I, I mean... Not a second. I, I mean, people say you don't sleep. I, yeah. I physically did not go into sleep for at least 72 hours, I think, at least, not a moment, like lying wide eyes and all that kind of stuff. It was I think great. I just remember crying so much, mm. I cried to sleep. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That feeling of just like... Exhaustion, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's I not just, even sleep, is it? You're exhausted. It's oh, like exhausted. Totally. The brain is almost shutting down to try yeah. and get out of it, isn't it? I just remember that, and luckily um, they gave us a week off, you know, the next week to just sort of, I well, mean, de de work de out decompress. decompress and just, I don't know, just didn't feel right to be on air. <laughs> just you know, with the, our backbone. It was of the awful show. because obviously, I mean, uh, this is this is a completely outside perspective. But I obviously having crossed paths there, and you know, I'd lost my brother before. And I, well, if you, well, when we first did the clinics, my brother was alive, and then he died partway through the pandemic, um, a little while before Joe did. And I remember you guys were like, oh, "I'm so sorry about your brother and stuff like that." And yeah. it was just like. I was like, I, I know, I know not the thing, but I know where they're at. You know, when yeah. I saw it, I was like, they're in hell. Like, yeah. it is hell, isn't yeah. it? And it's very hard to explain to people. I was thinking of it as like, you roll a grenade, like a flashbang into a room and, you know, it goes, you know, flashes and everyone's stunned. And it's like, the grenade goes off and you're like, <gasps> and then time stops. But the grenade never passes and the ringing in your ears that you get from those kind of flashbangs, like, it doesn't go, does it? No. It's like a... It's like something has happened, but it's neither past, but it doesn't feel that it can be here either. It's not possible. Is this real? It's like a shock Absolutely. that I can't, this has not happened, yeah. but it won't actually pass. No. It doesn't I, end. I feel like in a way as well, like I, I haven't fully processed it all. Mm. And I, I don't know if you fully ever will. You know, that feeling of, I think it is that why, and you know, could I have done anything? That feeling, I, I just always feel, I don't know, there's a little part that just can't, fully process it and I don't know if that takes years or what yeah, I don't know. I've, I've heard lots of people talking about losing someone and I've done the same and I've heard people around you know Joe say this and it's understandable you go oh I could have done this and I could have done that and I should have done that the reality is is that when someone's in that place there isn't really anything that you could have done and that's yeah. the and I had a member I had a conversation with um a gentleman called Professor Vikram Patel he's basically the global world leader on a suicide prevention and mental health. He's like an annoyingly astronomically clever yeah. and worldly. And, um, and he was explaining like at that point where that person is there, they're there and often they are busy with elation and release that they've made a decision because often these things aren't just like, oh, I'm just going to do this. It is often planned and thought out and not always the case, but it can be. And, and so 
oddly, they might actually be in a very elated place, you know, yeah. at the point that has happened. I know that is absolutely, and I'm sorry if that's difficult for people here, I'm sorry it's difficult for you here, but that is the reality of this person's weight is off their shoulders. Mm -hmm. So, so much about suicide prevention is, is way before the time that person's... Don't get me wrong, things like Samaritans, what they do is incredible, but this because there's a glimmer of hope in that person to ask for to help. To even ask for help, yeah. So I think the suicide prevention is all about way before that event it's the all the way back in childhood what are the messages do we give young boys and you know he was a, he was a man you know, what, what messages do we give young boys who are going to be men about um dealing with problems yeah do they internalize them and hold them inside and not tell anyone do they carry that luggage case full of heavy items that get heavier and heavier over the years they drop them do we teach them to talk what does society tell us about what it is to be a man and to have conversations about feelings it, honestly it's all the way back from that stuff and you've probably seen when romans involved i saw with them um, uh, princess um, kate with the naught to fives and the work i mean 80 to 90 percent of psychological imprinting of our brains is done by five years old yeah. so what we tell our three-year-old boys really Absolutely. matters and i think that is really important I, I, it doesn't give comfort i know it doesn't because a person's passed away but it's important just to remember that that person's life is their entire life and yeah. the things that happened long ago probably are some of the things that had most impact in what happened you know we're clear i mean the what ifs the whys you know i i, I shared a message with him a text message and it you know he actually texted me he was the last person to message. I hadn't replied to his message, you know, and then you go, wow, God, this or that or the other. And in reality, you know, it's a culmination Absolutely. of the entire life that leads to that moment. So, you know, but again, I'm, I, I am, I'm terribly sorry about that. It's just like to have done, to have that on air as well. I mean, it's just, I mean, wow. it was the worst case scenario that could ever happen couldn't, on it air. It couldn't really be worse, happen. could it? No, it actually couldn't be worse. Could nothing it? could be ever worse than that. But there's two things, I, you know, that are positives that I'll take away mm. from it. And one is that his, his lovely family have set up a charity called Joe's Buddy yes. Line. And what you were saying about teaching kids from such a young age, they're going into schools and doing all that, which is incredible work. And you know, we get to do charity fundraisings for them. And, you know, because they're such a small charity, they really see where the money gets to go in these schools and educate the, chi the kids and stuff, which It'd is It'd be lovely incredible. to have them on the Stompcast, maybe, if they were. Absolutely, you, you obviously sure. know the family, no yeah, pressure, sure. but if they were, they'd like to come and talk about what they're doing, the work they're doing, they're absolutely welcome, yeah. and, and we would love to have them on. The, the other positive I want to say is that, and I think this should go for everyone because it's the best quote I've ever been told, and it was by Jimmy Carr. It was when he lost Sean Locke and he said, um, people die twice in life. I'm sure this isn't his yes, quote, I, but he I said, people die quotes, twice yeah. in life. The first time when they actually go and the second time is when you stop actually talking about them. Yeah. And the fact that we've just both been on, yeah. you know, to talk about, you know, Joe, your brother as well. And, you know, for everyone else that has lost anyone, you know, just as long as you carry on cheering their name and talking yeah, about them and your best memories with them, that's, that's the best thing that you can continue to do. So, yeah. So looking forward, I mean, as you, I completely relate to what you said about healing or like, the, I don't know what the word is it from, but like moving on, I think it's, it becomes a part of your life. You'll never be over it, for example. I think yeah. that's not, and that I don't see that. Often people, when I was told by someone early on, said you'll never be over it. I found that desperately frightening, yeah. to be honest. But now I find it incredibly comforting. Yes. And the reason I find it very, very comforting is that I realise when is that person ever going to not matter to you? When are you going to not love? To, to not care anymore means that you don't, didn't love them or don't love them. Of course you care. Of course. And therefore you don't ever want to be fully over it. You want to learn to live with it and for it to help 
have some positive impact on your life. I mean, I'm reading a book about trauma at the moment, and so much about dealing with trauma, which it is. You, you've experienced incredibly hard trauma in your life, is how that trauma, no matter how bad or how unjust or unfair that trauma is, how that helps you to shape the rest of your life. Yeah. And the lessons you learn and the narrative that you create from that happening. So I just wonder, like, what, you know, as you look forward, has it shaped your conversations with people? Has it changed conversations or the way that even you think about your own feelings and sharing? You know, it really has. And I think, you know, if it didn't teach any of us at work a lesson, you know, who would it teach a lesson? You know, if, if you've lost someone, you have, to, you have to then go, right, we're not doing something here between us. We all need to start talking to each other and making sure that we're all okay. And, you know, we, we do. I, you know, moving forward, I've got, you know, my best mate Christian, our sort of, I guess our sort of confessional sort of time would be when we're having a drink, we're down the pub or whatever. But that is our time where I go, I know I can get stuff out of him. And I know that I can now say, look, you know, I've lost a mate to not talking to anyone. Let's, let's have a chat. Like, how are you actually feeling like that? You, you know, and that, there's the moment there where I can get him and I know that's the place I can get him yeah. in, you know. And he even now appreciates that I can talk to him about stuff like that. And yeah, I, I'm moving forward. That is all you can do. Just, you know, we've all, mm. it's a tough world out there. We've still got to look out for each look other. Look out you know? for each other <laughs> and have those, like, the great message there is that have the conversation where the conversation can be had. Yeah. So like, whether that's in the pub or it's on the, it's when it's after football, or whether it's on the weekend walking, whether it's playing tennis or riding a horse, whatever it Absolutely, is that you do, yeah. find the place that works and have it. And, just to leave, you know, just to say as well, anyone that's, you know, that I think everyone is going to be affected by that conversation, but I hope it's one it's worth being affected by, Absolutely. if that makes sense, because yeah. it makes us all stop and think. And if you are feeling dark and you feel you're struggling, please, please reach out for help. There are always ways through darkness. And remember, when the clouds are out and in the stormiest of days, the sun is never gone. The yeah. clouds are in the way. Absolutely. So we can get there. Samaritans are on 116, 123. Call them 24 hours a day. Speak to family, speak to your friends who get through it. Right, we're going to take a, take a breath for a second and I think we're then going to move on to the health fact of the week, which I actually, as I say always, I don't know what it is. So okay. this could be really uh, downtrodden or miserable. Is it Charlie? Is it miserable? She's, <laughs> oh, good, or it's, it's really positive. Right, let's, 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 have a re- <laughs> let's have a real lift. I love this. We're doing a wild card fact and it says in brackets, unrelated to the combo. We love that. Yes. Right. Uh, and, and it's quite good because as we're recording this, it is in fact Wimbledon tennis. So there is a tedious link there. Okay. Um, interesting. So anxiety has been proven to increase your sense of smell. A 2013 study published in the Journal of Neuroscience, a very good journal, examined the way certain emotions affect your sense of smell. After exposing subjects to anxiety-inducing images, God knows what they were, mm. researchers found that neutral scents become unpleasant and bad smells become even worse. Now, I guess thinking of the science, it makes sense because a lot of anxiety is heightening your body. Mm. So your sense of smell becomes more acute, your sight, you know, everything is on edge. You're n- literally, your nervous system is on the edge, hence why we say, I feel nerves. You yes. know, I'm on my nerves, my nerves are on edges. So I guess it makes sense, but... yeah. 
it's not very nice to smell all the bad smells worse, is it? Not worse, no. I mean, especially, I mean, you've got a dog as well, Rolo. I mean, yeah. it, doesn't, it can't smell any worse, can it, when you're picking it up? <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. It does. You're very anxious in the morning, you're picking up the dog doo-doo. That's no good at all. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I guess um, it makes sense, doesn't it? I guess the uh, being on edge. I mean, do you experience uh, anxiousness? Do you get, everyone gets nervous, but do you experience, yeah. experience it? And what do you, do you notice things like that? I do notice it. The first thing I notice is obviously just my heart. Yeah. I can feel my heart just really sort of pumping and it's no gym pump, mm. it's nothing like that. It's just that feeling of, okay, my heart's beating, I'm feeling a certain way, that nervous feeling. I start getting, you know, your clammy hands and your, all that horrible stuff, isn't it? Just all of that stuff that just make you feel, I don't know, the, the anxiety, you know, I, I remember having anxiety my first sort of show by myself, mm. you know, doing the late show and stuff, that feeling of just, it just feels the worst, mm. but when you feel the worst, it can only get better sometimes. Mm. And that, that's how I always try and see things because I always think after I've done it, it's going to feel fine. And yeah. I, you know, I don't know what I was worrying about. Um, it's a great bit of advice exposing yourself to something. So, like, if you're faced by challenge, you know it's something that's not going to kill you. Then repeated exposure will only make that better, right? Yeah, and it's, it's our bodies are trained for survival, right? And yeah, knowing that it's not going to kill you is it, it's only going to be okay. It's just, yeah, I, I, I can't say I had a heightened smell though. Mm. I mean, have you, have you been you're, into the Capitol Studio? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, does, does it smell? I don't know. Oh, sometimes working with Roman, it does, is, yeah. It does get a bit <laughs> um, so, I, so a, a bit of a science lesson. So, the, so you, in the brain, you've got a part of the brain called the uh, amygdala. And amygdala is kind of the threat response center of the brain. It does many different jobs, but it's one of its roles. And when we recognize a threat or a worry or something we're afraid of, it basically hijacks the entire brain and goes into overdrive. It tells the heart to speed up and beat faster. It tells the adrenal glands, to sit, which sit above your kidneys and your flanks, to kick out um, you know, adrenaline and you're kicking out cortisol. Your body's moving blood from areas of digestion to areas to deal with. That's why you can get clammy and you get red face wow. and sweating. It's moving to areas yeah. that are ready to deal with a problem. And that's absolutely fine. We've got a lion in the room and there's a lion in capital <laughs> that you need to deal with or run away from. But it's not great when there's not a deliberate threat. And I think the thing that gives people so much horribleness that's deal that comes with a panic attack or, or severe anxiety is that there is not an immediate threat to you, but you're experiencing what you would if you felt that threat. So if there's a lion here now in this lovely part of Victoria Park, there's a lion. We'd see the lion, we'd feel that way, and we wouldn't feel odd that I feel adrenaline pumping yes. and I'm going to run. I'd be pretty worried if I wasn't feeling like that. But it's very disconcerting to feel that way when there isn't a threat, isn't it? That's yeah. what that's what that's the crux that what makes us feel so awful, yeah. isn't it? In that moment, it's, har it's, it's harsh that our bodies do that to us, isn't yeah. it? In a way, yeah. you know. So that's where the grounding techniques are important. So I talk about this a lot in the mind manual. But learning grounding techniques that work for you to center yourself. So people talk about five sense technique. You can use grounding and breathing, box breathing, or so on. Find almost like we said before, find the routine and exercise and things that work for you. Find the grounding that works for you. Practice it keep doing it like you go to the gym and get stronger by repetitively doing it practice your grounding techniques yeah on that note i'm gonna say a huge thank you i've absolutely this has been an incredibly incredible conversation we've gone from all these different directions lot, and stuff. We? we've done a lot to be fair we've covered a lot of ground excuse the pun um, it's been amazing sunny thank you so much Mate, give you thank you so much for having me thank you, thank you. Thank you for being so really appreciate open and brave and yeah i mean that was not easy to talk about um you know and uh, i but I think it will really help people. Absolutely. So everyone, again, thank you for, for joining us um, through this episode. We'll see you uh, for our reflections in Behind the Stomp, which you can click through on the subscription on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you there for Behind uh, the Stomp. Look after yourself and whatever you're doing today, 
We appreciate you. We love you. Look after yourself. Look out for others. Thank you and goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 